Let's do that hockey. Welcome to the Dauber Prospects Radio Podcast, episode 105. I'm your host again, Peter Harling. And today I'm going to be joined by uh, Boston Bruins experts from the Black and Gold podcast, the one, the only Mark Allred. Mark, thanks for joining the show. Peter, I've been a uh, pleasure to, uh, for the invite and a pleasure to come back and talk uh, some prospects with you. I can't talk Boston Bruins prospects with anybody that doesn't have a New England accent. It just doesn't seem genuine. <laughs> <laughs> all right so thanks again for coming on mark was on last year uh so this year uh we're talking um i talked 10 prospect rankings i wrote this article for my nhl uh trade rumors uh i've i've tweeted out a couple times i'll put the link in the show notes uh, mark's gonna go over the top 10 with me and tell me where i messed up guys that are too high too low that shouldn't be on the list that are missing that uh that should be on it that aren't uh so on and so forth um, so I've been starting at the, the top and working my way down. Um, first of all, I, I usually start the conversation off Mark with, uh, just a little bit of, um, sort of a synopsis on, uh, where the team's at. Um, so with the Boston Bruins, uh, have had a pretty good track record the last couple of years, you know, uh, I would say that the, uh, the Don Sweeney era has been pretty, pretty favorable to Boston. They've made the playoffs a bunch. Um, they did trade a couple first round draft picks, but despite that, I think they still have a pretty decent prospect pool. It's not great. Um, but you know, the top 10 has got some guys in it that I really like. And there was even a couple players outside of that, that um, I gave serious consideration to ranking. So, you know, they could have a top 12 to 13, 14, in my opinion uh, of, of, you know, fantasy or NHL relevant prospects. Um, I don't think they have too many blue chip prospects though. So, you know, they did address that at this year's draft. Um, so let's just start with how have you seen their, their drafting and developing over the last uh, decade? Do you, do you like the players, the draft strategy that they had? And this follow-up to that question would be, uh, how do you, how do you feel about their, their development of their prospects? Cause you know, the, the ducks have done it well, Arizona, Buffalo, not so much. Uh, where do you see Boston in, in the realm here? Uh, you know, Don Sweeney's got a really bad uh, reputation for not drafting very well, especially in 2015. I, I honestly hate bringing that up all the time because he whiffed on three absolute uh, gems, but um, over the years, you know, the when you had to get rid of a first round pick to get rid of a David Backus contract and you needed that six million dollar cap or AAV off your books, there was a lot of things that had to be involved in, in movements like that. So it, it did really take a, a big dent in the uh, in drafting and developing in, in, in a proper sense. But um, lately, it's gotten a lot better. Um, I noticed that the uh, there's a trend in Boston that defense is always the f- one one of the first things that we pick in the first three rounds. There's always there's always somebody on the back end that needs to be brought through the system and so on. But um, I like the way that they've been doing it lately with the forwards and so on, getting more guys involved and addressing needs. And I think with uh, Fabian Lysel being the first round pick in 2021. I think that addressed a huge hole in the right wing side that we've been uh, really trying to trade for and we weren't able to develop, but I think this kid's going to come in and, uh, and surprise some people. 
um, obviously it, wherever he goes, whether it be in, it's an AHL um, season or over in the dub with the uh, Vancouver Giants. But I do, I do like the way that they're they've been developing down in Providence. I think um, with Jay Leach being gone to the Seattle Kraken. Um, they left a really big hole in, in, in how this team is, uh, you know, taught the systems and so on. But uh, Ryan Mujanel, uh, he comes into the uh, as an assistant coach, gets promoted as the uh, as the head coach. And uh, Matt Thomas, who was with the uh, Cincinnati Cyclones for the past two seasons, and he has a really good record in the East Coast Hockey League. Um, uh, with, so as a head coach, so um, I think it's going to be good. I think the systems are still going to be in place of, of where Jay Leach uh, left them before departing for uh, Seattle. And um, and just by the way the team's been playing, especially down in Providence at the AHL level, um, you know, there's if there was no pandemic times, I really think that out of the two or three years, uh, this team could have gone to a Calder Cup. You know, they really had the team structure, the team – um, motive of, of let's get things done. Let's work hard. Let's show our parent club that um, if you need to break glass in case of an emergency, we're, we, we have ready um, facilitating members for you to rise up to, uh, to, you know, to, to cover a roster spot if needed with injuries and so on. So I, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of like down on the, on the draft thing and so on. I think that things can, can get better, but I do like the way that, how they work with the construction of, of, um, of what they have, you know, and, and how they look for players, whether it be the East coast guys that coming up and, you know, the, the Ian McKinnons and blah, 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 just to, you know, to, you know, fit pieces in here and there, but this is the way these teams have been going. I mean, this, I think we're, I think in, uh, in October, we're going to be raising two straight Atlanta division banners. So it tells you something really good. Um, but you know, without the playoffs, it really doesn't show, uh, you know, that championship caliber at the American level. Yeah. I mean, I like the way that they are not afraid to slow cook their prospects in the American hockey league. And I think they've done a really good job with that. It hasn't always paid dividends though. Uh, you know, I'm just scanning the roster right now and I'm, I'm looking for some, some players that they've drafted and developed. And, you know, you see Pasternak and Charlie McAvoy, as players who are in or entering their prime at the top of the list, you got some, uh, some gray beards as well on the roster. And outside of that, it's, you know, there's a lot of externally recruited players that are, that are impact or uh, in the, the top half of their roster. So um, it's hard to argue when you have Charlie McAvoy and David Pasternak, that that's a pretty good start right there. And even if that's all you have, that's, that's better than a lot of teams. Um, so they've got, I would say quality, if not quantity of, you know, impactful drafted and developed players on their roster. And uh, we'll see what's, what's coming out. Cause I think they're, you know, they're an aging team now a little bit and they're going to have to start looking at some roster turnover. So this top 10 list is guys that are going to have to, they're going to have to be payoffs. They're going to have to hit on some of these guys that are coming up. Um, Fabian Lysel, I have him ranked number one. You just uh, touched on him a minute ago in, in your little speech there. Um, he instantly becomes the top ranked prospect. Uh, and I, for me, that's because uh, I think his skill level uh, is extremely high. And based on that, that, that puts him at number one. Um, they've been kind of tending to draft players with size. Um, John Beecher, Trent Frederick, Urho Vakanainen, like a lot of their earlier round picks in the last few years have been 
um, you know, big old bad Bruins roster size. And, and here they went with a little guy that doesn't have any physicality, but has oodles and oodles of skill. How do you like that strategy? You think that this is something that organizationally they really needed to do? Yeah, I mean, you touched on David Pasternak, and and basically, and in my research, he was actually the last right wing that successfully got drafted by the Boston Bruins and came up through the system, um, whether you know be in Providence or or over in um, in the Czech Republic and so on. But uh, that, that's been a hole, and they tried to address that with uh, with vaccination in 2015, and that was just a complete failure. But then, you know, it's just those plug and plays that came up and, you know, they made trades for uh, Craig Smith and so on that are still working out. But in my opinion, still want to have those players that you, you know, you selected in the, you know, you took away from the draft podium and you want to build their confidence through the system and so on. But um, this is a this is definitely an address that they needed uh, with Fabian. And I think that. Uh, PJ Axelson was just a mastermind behind this, you know, telling the, uh, the uh, Bruins management that we need to get this guy if he's available. And I, and I, I honestly want to say that he was probably the, the steal of the draft because uh, he was, he was ranked as one of the best skaters in this draft. So, and he, and, and this was probably because of the pandemic times and nobody, nobody's traveling and so on. And we can't see, you know, it's a lot of video scouting and so on. So, uh, you know, maybe the 2021 draft was kind of hit or miss with a lot of players, but I, I think that this kid's going to be something special, but I also want to do it right. I also, you know, he does have the uh, um, availability to go to the Vancouver Giants and the WHL because uh, they have his rights as a CHL um, import and they drafted him in the 30th of the uh, first round in 2020. So um, there's a, there's an option. I'd like to see him in the dub because like, like you said, uh, Peter, he's he's a little uh, undersized and so on. I think that league, and you know that league, that league is going to come at you really tough and hard. And I think that might be an experience that he might want to get. Yeah, it might benefit the uh, the player and the organization. But there's also there's also a chance he makes it to the AHL, and his progression will be that much higher and faster if he goes that route. Yeah, there's you know there's a couple different ways like I can see his uh, development panning out um you know he was his skill level alone he's a top i don't know five maybe even pick in this year's entry draft and the bruins pick him up at, at 21st i kind of felt the same way about uh when they drafted pasternak they got him late in the first round and i was like am i the only guy that's seen this kid play like why is he so low um so with with lysel there's there's a couple of warts to his game that pushed him down the draft chart a little bit on draft day. He's 5'10", so he's a little undersized. He's not very physical. If he doesn't have the puck on his stick, um, I think there's some question about what this player brings to your, your organization. Um, I've also, you know, read a little bit about him and how he's, he's a very one-dimensional player. He doesn't use his teammates very well. He plays for his own stat line and not the team and so on and so forth. And, you know, you can draw comparisons to Josh Hosang there. Um, you know, that, that sounds a lot like Josh, Josh Hosang. He hasn't panned out and I don't think he'll ever figure it out either. Although he's got all the skill to play in the NHL, he's just never going to figure it out. So, you know, the best case scenario, this guy pans out to be an elite first line all-star right winger like David Pasternak. He's got the skill to do that. Worst case scenario, he flames out like Josh Hosang and, and just doesn't get it together. But, you know, he's 18 years old. He's got plenty of opportunity to mature here. Um, 
playing in the CHL or the AHL. It'll be interesting to see what Boston decides to do with him. I really have no read on the situation as to where they think he should go. You said he'd get some hard knocks and learn the physical game playing in the dub. Uh, it's hard to argue that he wouldn't get that playing at the AHL level as well. Um, I really, I'm curious to see where he goes. Um, and if, if he does end up going in the AHL, I hope he just plays the whole season there. And the, you know, even if he's tearing it up that the Bruins kind of resist the temptation to recall him to the NHL um, and just kind of reinforce his me first mentality. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, your, your take is uh, you'd like to see him in, in the CHL in junior. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of would. Um, but I, I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around about Lissell and, and how he was approached uh, for his role with Lulia in the SHL. Uh, he signed a two-year deal back in um, January of 2021. So he was technically under contract, but Lulia uh, management approached him and said that uh, we'd like to like basically split your games between the pro level and their like J20 team. And he really did not like that. He just did not, uh, he, I thought he was ready for the pro level uh, all the way. So it's kind of hard for me to say that he want, would, would, would go to the WHL because of that fact that he doesn't want to play against players that are his age and so on, or, you know, a little bit of a uh, closer age group. Uh, but maybe the AHL is, is his idea um, to get that mixed group of uh, ages and veterans and so on. You get a, you get a, a whole uh, basket full of things. And when you get to that level, so, um, you know, Plus I mean, you get paid. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, you know, it remains to be seen what the Bruins management wants to do with him and, and what the player feels and so on. But either way uh, his, uh, his movement over to North America is going to be, uh, is going to be important, smaller size ranks, the game's coming at you a little faster and so on. So um, I believe that, you know, whatever path that they choose, it's going to be the right one, but I still do want to do it you know, um, develop him properly. It, there's no need to rush this kid. So, uh, especially when you have contracts already taken at the NHL with Craig Smith, you got three more years with him and so on. Um, so there's really not a, a, an available spot at this moment at the NHL level. So do it right. Yeah. I think one of the interesting, um, um, causes or side effects of last year's season with the whole COVID pandemic thing and the OHL not having a season was you had all these players who were right out of the draft, couldn't go back to the OHL. So they played in the American hockey league, which they would never be allowed to do under the old transfer agreement. And for the most part, they all played really, really well. Um, they acquitted themselves quite excellently at the American hockey league level uh, as 18 year olds. So uh, you know, if Lysel comes in and has a good uh, development camp and then a good training camp, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston's first choice, if he can handle it um, from a competitive level, would be to put him in the AHL. Then he's like in their system and they can and if they have concerns about his attitude and his um, and whatnot, they, they can have firsthand account of that. Right. And they, they can keep an eye on that and they can squash that or, or try to if they see it. Um, so anyways, Lysel debuts at number one on the list. And number two is a player who I don't even know if we were talking about him last year. And he has just rocketed up like a bullet up to number two. Uh, and that's goaltender Jeremy Swayman. He had, uh, you know, I don't even know if you can really consider him a prospect anymore. He looks like 
you know, he fits my criteria. He's under 25 years old. He's played less than 25 career NHL games. Um, but he broke onto the scene in a big way last year, looking spectacular in uh, his first pro season playing with Providence. And uh, was it his first pro season? Uh, yeah. 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 Just uh, right out of uh, University of Maine. Uh, came into a uh, abbreviated uh, 25 game schedule in American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins, and that uh, that team only played two other teams in that division um, because of the pandemic and so on. Uh, that was Bridgeport and uh, the Hartford Wolfpack. So yeah, uh, but he did good. I, I thought he did really well and adjusted really well. Not exactly a come out of nowhere kind of player though, right? Like he's got some uh, he's got some some pretty good pedigree on his. Um, on his resume there he's a fourth round pick which is you know okay for a goalie um but he was uh won a bronze medal with uh usa at the world junior um in 2018 and he's a hobie bigger finalist with bain so you know he had a pretty spectacular record there um eight and ten record with providence and a 189 goals against average and then he played yaroslav halak at the nhl level and yep. made daniel vladar expendable like those are pretty good accomplishments and special skills that you can put on your resume that beats mine. I can use chopsticks. That's about all I got. Absolutely. And I'll tell you something right now, Peter, uh, the, the, the U S um, um, world championship uh, comment that you made, one of the big reasons why he was on that roster as a third goaltender um, was because of how much rubber he was seeing at Maine and Maine traditionally in the past couple of years has not, recruited very well because it's not a it's not a uh an ncaa club that goes to the frozen four on the regular and so on and it really you know gets players to like want to go to maine all the time so uh, a lot of the a lot of the game was on his shoulders and he was seeing a lot of rubber and he he actually saw more shots than the two goalies ahead of him on that u.s club so um, it, that, that's something to be said. And, and, and like you said, the countless, the absolutely countless awards this kid was getting goaltender of the week, player of the month, NCAA, and the way that Alfie Michaud, the goaltending coach in Maine and, uh, former, um, uh, Maine alum, Mike Dunham, former, um, NHLer himself, the way they work with this kid was just amazing. I mean, Mike, Mike was up there all the time working with him. They were really breeding this this kid to be something special and and we all and for the people that don't able to get the ahl package and watch these games bruins fans really got to see what he could do at the nhl level which obviously you know you know catapulted his his uh, fandom right through the roof now we can get rid of every goaltender and have this guy start every game of the season we're winning the cup this year i mean there was a lot there was a lot of like uh high praise uh, we, you know but um, he's a, still another player that has only seen a limited amount of professional time in the AHL and NHL. And I still think that we need to, uh, to, to step back and, you know, and, and, and be, be patient with him. But also this, uh, this, this, is, this is really frustrating. A lot of Bruins fans is the uh, idea of Tuka Rask possibly coming back mid-season after hip surgery. And, uh, and with Swayman's availability in his uh, second year of his entry-level contract, he is able to go down to Providence. So that could very well happen if, um, if uh, Ras does come back and he's healthy enough to, to contribute. Right. So they got uh, Linus Allmark uh, signed up as a free agent. I think it was at four years at 5 million bucks. Um, 
So they kind of have to play him and he's going to be in Boston for, you know, the next four years for sure. Um, I think long-term they really like Swayman as well. What's, what's not to like, um, I guess that's a really big question mark with, with Tuka Rask, I guess once he's healthy and if he decide declares himself fit to play and wants to come back, um, Boston's got to want that. Yeah. He's kind of put himself in a corner. He said it's Boston or, or nothing. And, you know, I could see him picking up the phone in January and say, Hey, I'm good to go. And Boston's like, no, nah, we're good, man. Yeah. But it, it, it definitely is going to, I mean, he's not under contract. He's a UFA right now. Like you said, doesn't want to play anywhere else, but Don Sweeney and his, and his staff members have got to think that if all Mark and Swayman are doing so good, I mean, you're leading the league and you're, and you're, you, you, you know, you're, top of the you probably could be a Jennings trophy winner at the end of the season. It's so hard to bring back a goaltender like that from a hip serve to you when you actually don't know how he's going to produce and how he's going to perform when playoffs get harder and so on. I don't think that he's a, I like Tuker and everything. I'm a huge fan of the guy, but it's just, I think it's time to like usher in a new group of goaltenders to try and, uh, and see what we have here in the crease. All right, so I'm going to follow that segue and we're going to move on in the conversation and we're going to get to the third ranked player I had on my list. So Lysel debuts at one, Swayman vaults up to second and he'll be graduating off this list probably, you know, by Thanksgiving he'll have outplayed his eligibility. (laughs) Um, So the guy that I think I had number one last year, I'd have to go back and check, but now he's fallen down to three. Is that because he's been outplayed by Swayman and Lysel's skill level so high, or has his stock level dropped? And I'm talking about Jack Studnika. Ooh, good one. Um, yeah, Jack's uh, an interesting, interesting one to talk about. Um, the kid, the kid's such a hard worker. He really is. I mean, he d- did not go down to the American Hockey League and, and you know, frown or anything like that. He went down there, worked hard. Uh, yeah, I think he's still a big player when it comes to, to these uh, to these rankings. Um, so having him third is not a bad idea at all. But unfortunately, with the upcoming season and the, the, the contracts that the Bruins signed in free agency and so on, it's really going to make it hard for him to crack the NHL roster. He's got one more eligible year under his entry-level contract to go down to Providence. And that's actually where I have him as a first line center in Providence. Um, he's gained some weight. Everybody's uh, been talking about it. Um, and um, captain's practices started today. So there's a, a lot of talk about him being bigger. Um, his skill set has improved. Um, but these are captain's practices too. These are just casual skates and so on. Um, you know, but um, it remains to be seen that what, what happens to him in the, um, in a NHL training camp that's coming up real soon. So, I mean, if he, if he can win a, a roster spot, either up the middle, which I kind of find it hard with the way that this uh, center depth is, uh, he can also find a spot on the right side, which he has been playing because, um, you know, so many people that I know, so many old folks that, that know prospects really well, they say that centers are, are easier to go to the wings than a wing going to a center. Oh, for sure. Yeah, center is a much harder position. So when David Krejci announced that he was leaving the NHL, my first thought was that opens the door wide for Jack Studnika. So I looked into that a little bit, thinking that that was a bit of a no-brainer, that here's his opportunity. And, um, you know, I kind of looked and, and reviewed how he did last season. And um, 
well, quite frankly, it wasn't very good. Um, yeah. You know, he was a regular on the taxi squad, so his, his games played was a little bit limited. Uh, he played 20 games in the NHL in, in a variety of roles. At times, he was in the top six or the bottom six. He was on the wing. He played center. He only had one goal and three assists in 20 games. And in the AHL, he had seven and 11 with no goals. So his production was stinko. Um, the competition for that second line center uh, between Stadnika is Nick Felino, newly acquired. He can play wing or center. Uh, and Charlie Coyle, that's that's pretty much the way I see the competition for that center position. And Eric Holla was acquired. If he's their second line center, I think that's trouble. I think he's a great third line center. Um, so there's a question mark as who gets to play second line with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith. That's a pretty that's a pretty juicy plum. Um, yeah. yeah, like uh, so if you're looking at picking up Stadnika in a fantasy league, do you, do you draft him for that role or, or do you draft him for a bottom six winger uh, with hope that you're getting a second line center? Yeah, I would go with the bottom six winger and, and just kind of wing it on, on if he can get games, if he's going to outplay some of these new guys that are coming in like Thomas Nilshik and, and, you know, Eric Haller, which I, I don't believe that will happen, but um, and I don't also don't see him playing in a fourth line role either. I think he's too good for that. Um, well, remember in his, in his draft plus one season, his first Bruins training camp, everyone was all the rave about how this guy almost made the team as an 18 year old. And, you know, now he's what, 21, 20. Yeah. And, so many people and he's struggling. So, so many people had him penciled into the NHL right out of development camp. It was crazy <laughs> right after his 2016 uh, second round, uh, pick it, they wanted him in the NHL as soon as possible but that was just you know he's a, he's a like I said he's such a hard worker and and he knows what's ahead of him um, but I think that I honestly think that Providence is probably going to be the better option for him uh, un, until he can prove down there and and somebody's really struggling up at the NHL level that he could like win their spot I, I just see him at the AHL this this upcoming season yeah you know and that's a huge red flag for me if I'm a fantasy owner of Jack Stagnica, he's 22 years old. He was on the cusp of making the NHL four years ago, and he still hasn't made it. And now the door is wide open. And you've, you're a player, a, a, a writer and podcaster who's you know watching him a lot and has a finger on the pulse. And you're saying it's not happening this year. I'm thinking like if it's not now, it's never. Yeah, you I mean, know, if you look at if you look at cap friendly or anything like that, I mean, you could definitely see that there's some, there's some spaces that are coming up in the next season that might be his better path to the NHL full time next year, but obviously this will be his last entry level year. So he'll have to be resigned. And what, you know, I also think that he's also a high trade chip too. And, and NHL success might come somewhere else if, 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 if needed to move at the trade deadline. So it's it, there's so many um, optics of, of this player and so on, because, you know, he's got the skill set to play in the NHL. It's just, you know, he hasn't completely earned a spot, nor has a spot been available for him. Right. And I can I can forgive the latter, but not the former. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's 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 move on from Jack. Uh, I think that's a pretty pretty safe and predictable top three. Uh, the guy I've got number four might raise an eyebrow though and I'm, I'm pretty high on this kid and that's uh 
20-year-old defenseman Mason Laurie, who's going to the NCAA. He'll be a freshman at Ohio State. Uh, he's a big defenseman. He's six foot four, 205. So there's the Bruins drafting guys with size. But you know, this guy's got a, a really good stride. He's a very fluid skater and he's lighting the lamp. He played in the USHL. So you, you take these stats with the appropriate grains of salt, but 19 goals. He's a defenseman. He almost had 20 goals, um, you know, 59 points in 48 games. Plus he racked up 74 penalty minutes. Um, you know, we'll see how that translates to the NCAA. I might be getting a little bit um, overexcited about his counting stats, uh, his, the tail of the tape. And then, you know, I've seen a few, I haven't actually watched him play, but I've seen a few highlights and I'm like, man, kid can move for, for a pretty big kid. Uh, and then, you know, I, I read some notes, uh, a lot of them from from your guys' side at Black and Gold, about how he was looking like the best player at the Bruins development camp. So, I mean, he's got a sharp developmental curve that's pointing straight up with his size of combination of size, skill, and, and skating ability, and his physicality, his offensive upside. Um, what uh, am I a little bit over anxious with this guy? Am I rating him too high, or is there cause for? celebration with this uh um you know second round pick from 2020 yeah I, I don't think he's uh i think he's in a great spot on your list um this is a a kid that uh just let's let's groom this kid right out to be really good because uh when he played for the uh green bay gamblers in the ushl last year he had career years he led all defensemen in scoring um he won some kind of award uh, i'm not sure exactly which one it was um, but he plays in all types of situations. He's, he's got, such, I think he so, won the, I think he won the, you're really freaking good award. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you've seen so many players of his size that um, can move and with their agility and so on. When I watched him play and I, and I, you know, later on at night, I froze tape from an end to end rush. It was his shoulder fakes were incredible. I mean, for, for a big kid, he's got really silky smooth hands, but the way he comes into the zone and just weaves and bobs, I mean, and he drops a shoulder and it just fakes everybody out. Like he's going to the left and they go into the right, but he's going straight forward, you know? But um, I really like the way that he's, he's progressing. And I like, love the way uh, that he played in the W uh, in the USHL and, and then, you know, going into uh, playing for Ohio State this upcoming season, I'm looking forward to uh, to watching that game. I'm I'm pretty sure that it's going to be, uh, you know, his stats are going to come down to earth a little bit with the new adjustment to a new league and so on. But I still think that he's going to be an impactful player in the. Um, I think that's the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think he should hit the ground running in the NCAA. I think he's going to score 20 goals as a freshman in, in college as a defenseman. But to your point and mine, you know, he's already 20 years old. Uh, he's got great size at 6'4", 205. So he's not going to be pushed around by playing against older players than, than he was in the USHL. And, you know, he can keep up with the speed of the game. So I think a lot of it will depend on the role he's given by his coach uh, as a freshman, if they want to give him prime minutes and uh, you know 15 20 minutes a night power play penalty kill that kind of stuff or if they're just kind of insulate him a little bit i'm not sure what the depth is like at ohio state university but if he doesn't have a, a very good season i would be very surprised yeah 
And I also, I also wouldn't be shocked in a player like this that, you know, he plays two seasons or even three in his junior year and then turns pro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's already 20. So, you know, if he plays a full, a full tour duty at the college level, he'll be 24 when he, when he turns pro that's, you know, he's missing out on a few million bucks there and in, in career earnings. So I, I, I don't think he's going to play more than probably two seasons if, um, if he's producing and Boston, you know, will want to bring him up into the pro level, maybe put him in the AHL for a season and then we'll see from there. Yep. Uh, okay, so number five is another center that has fallen down the rankings a little bit. I had him much higher last year this time. Uh, he is a 2019 first round pick, 30th overall, and that's uh, University of Mission big center John Beecher, six foot three, 209. He's 20 years old now. Uh, the Wolverines are going to be loaded for bear this year. They're going straight to the Frozen Four with their superstar roster. So he's not going to have a top six role. I think he's going to be their defensive, physical shutdown defenseman because he's not going to get big minutes with Beniers, Kent Johnson, and Brendan Brisson um, playing in the middle or, or in the top six anyways. Um, so I think his role in the NCAA this year will be very similar to what it'll be uh, if and when he makes it to the NHL. I don't really see him as having, you know, the ability to step into a top six role. I like, I like his game. I like how he, you know, he's got some skill. He's a good two-way player, uh, but I think he'll he'll write his paycheck at the NHL as a big, strong, physical two-way defenseman that you can play against the other team's top line. And not only can he shut down, you know, star players, but he can also cash in some points too. He's not a, he's not a total Bilberg tool when you pass the puck to him. He can, he can finish, he can skate. Um, that's kind of the way I see John Beecher, which, you know, putting him fifth overall on this list, I, I feel pretty good about. How do you feel about uh, my assessment on John Beecher? Um, he's a, he's actually a forward. I, I kept calling, hearing you say a defenseman, <laughs> a defensive forward. Yeah, no, he's defensive a center. Forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a, he's a center. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, the way this, this team's going to be loaded. I mean, this is, this is probably going to be a championship team. Um, hopefully this would be great for that, that club. And, uh, I do like the way that, uh, Mel Pearson has been using John, uh, he, not only up the middle, but also on the left side. So that could be he's a, he's a versatile forward that could be shifted around when needed. But I definitely can think that he's probably going to be a third, fourth liner wherever he ends up. Um, you know, if he earns it, he earns it. But uh, I still believe that he's a, a solid prospect for the Boston Bruins. Um, and, uh, you know, not I would actually reach to say, well, no, it's not a reach. I would actually say that he'd probably be a, a third line forward uh, in, in his NHL projections, in my opinion, which is not a bad idea. Um, you know, basically the same thing as, um, as Trent Frederick had coming out of uh, the University of uh, Wisconsin and so on. So uh, I like Johnny's game. Uh, he does play a big, uh, big role, um, heavy hitting. And, you know, he, he does make mistakes here and there, but um, I, I like the way you have him ranked here at, uh, at six. All right. So that's the, the, the top six, no, five, actually. That's the top five. At six, I have um, uh, winger uh, Jakob Laukau. How do you say his last name? Laukau? Laukau. Yep. Awesome. So, I mean, last year he played in Providence and, you know, he was okay. And then pandemic hit. So he started last season over back home in the Czech Republic. 
Um, 10 points in 25 games, you know, meh, that's okay. It's not great. Uh, then the AHL resumed. North America opened up and started playing games. So he came back and boom, 19 points in 23 games with Providence. Uh, where'd that come from? I know. <laughs> I know. It's good to see uh, that he had a big year because of uh, his previous two seasons, um, especially in the, uh, the uh, World Juniors when he uh, was out there for a minute shift and uh, busted his, uh, his leg, broke it, and, and that was it. But that was a bad year. He had uh, head injuries. He had other injuries with Providence. So it was just a really tough year. But this, this past season, an abbreviated year, um, he did, played so much better, so much better. His two-way game is starting to round out. And that's one of the things that I was uh, really nervous about when he was playing with the Moncton Wild. Uh, I'm sorry, the um, not the Moncton Wildcats, but he was playing in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League with the uh, Ruin Naranda Huskies. And, um, I mean, when the, when the kid had the puck, it was just more straight line. But his, his feet were moving faster than his hands. And that's something that I wanted to see him adjust more and so on. And, um, and learn that it, you know, to play well with the puck and without the puck. And I think that the more that he's stewing down in the minor pros and learning this type of game, it's just a better for him. So um, for me, I could definitely see him making the NHL roster sometime in the next two seasons with the, some departures, um, but still a solid little prospect. And, and boy, did he drop the glove several times this year sticking up for a teammate when you really didn't think that that's the type of guy that should be doing it. Uh, he just did not care and went over and just like hammered some people. I was shocked. I'm watching on AHL TV and I'm like, that's Lauco. <laughs> like that's who's, not his role. <laughs> who's wearing Lauco's Jersey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's Ian McKinnon's job, <laughs> but no, yeah, it, was, well, it was good to see. Yeah, it looks like he's got some decent size behind him. You know, he's six foot 190, so he's not undersized, but, you know, he's not a tough guy. Um, you know, he's coming from the check, so it doesn't sound like he's that's his job for sure. Um, he's a speedy winger. He's offensive first kind of guy, but I like what you're saying. You know, he's developing the other elements of his game, and you, you need that to to move up the ladder, but he's only got 45 career games. So, you know, while he is a fast rising prospect, all of a sudden with the Bruins, uh, you know, I, I, I'm seeing him playing a full season in the AHL coming up, you know, getting a full 60 plus games there. And, you know, if he's healthy and then, you know, maybe a couple of cups of coffee with, with the Bruins, when there's some injuries and whatnot, keep him keep him motivated. As they say, uh, yep. you think, you think two seasons, maybe. I'm saying at least two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, just by looking at the, uh, the landscape on cap friendly right now, it's just, you, you could definitely see it probably in a year or two. Um, but then again, who knows? I mean, these kids, they, they could surprise anybody in these systems. So. Yeah. If his, if his play warrants a, a full-time NHL job um, and he's got an entry level contract, they'll make a space for him. Oh yeah. Especially in a flat cap world. Ah, right. Uh, next on my list, we're going back to the blue line for a couple here. And I've got it seventh overall a player that I, I really like. I've seen him play a little bit in the NCAA level on, on TV whenever I get a chance. And I like his game. You know, he's a little bit undersized, 5'8", about 180. Um, but, you know, he plays a sandpapery kind of game. And, you know, he's going to try and follow the same development path that Tory Krug followed with the Bruins, similar size, similar playing style. 
uh, undrafted college signed free agent. I'm talking about Jack Ashan. Um, he made his uh, debut in, in the pro level last year, 10 points in 19 games, and he made his NHL debut late in the season as well. Uh, being an undrafted prospect, he played his full tour of duty at college. So he is 24 years old. So the window of opportunity for him to make his mark and, and break the NHL is going to be pretty short. He's going to have to make some hay this season. Do you see him playing his way onto the roster um, and even being 50% of what Tory crew was, would, would be a great success. Uh, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Jack. Um, I, I really liked what I saw in, in, him working with Brady Lyle on the blue line, top pairing in, the, in Providence. Um, he's so mobile, so mobile. Uh, he does remind you of that Tory crew type of player that could play the half wall, get down low, uh, great passing skills, great vision. Um, but I don't, he's, he's the type of player that I, 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 I hate saying career AHL or I, I do not like saying that at all because I, I, I do believe this, this kid might, get it somewhere but i'm not sure if it's going to be in boston with the just with the way the landscape's coming out with carlo being signed longer term mcavoy is going to come up you know with a truck that's going to be backed up to his door pretty soon i mean that that number starting at seven three so who knows but uh, you know this this um there's a chance but i i honestly don't see it and that's not a knock on the player at all he is he's just a really good player hard worker and his teammates love him and he's another one that that is a pit bull. I mean, you said he's five, eight, so many people in Providence uh, on Twitter, when they were watching these games was like, I can't believe this kid's under six feet tall. He plays like a six, three defenseman. Yeah. It's, it's easy to cheer for him. You know, I like rooting for the underdogs. And when you're five, eight, you're an underdog. And when you're undrafted, you're like super underdog. So yep. I, I really like the kid. I think he's got skills. The first time I noticed him was, um at the usa world junior development camp when they played it in canada they had an exhibition game in i want to say it was oshawa that i went and caught him play there and i'd never heard of him until then and i watched him play and i was like who the heck is this kid trying to make this team and you know i watched the game like okay i can see that yeah i'm gonna gonna have to i'm gonna figure out who this kid is right he's playing in college so i watched some games like he's not even drafted what's he doing in this tournament and uh, I get it. You know, he's he's a great hockey player. I don't know why he wasn't drafted. I guess because he's 5'8". Um, exactly. You don't scout with a measuring tape is what Craig Button told me. And I <laughs> agree with him. Uh, speaking of scouting with measuring tapes, eighth on my list, Erho Vakaninen. He's kind of the exact opposite. He's a behemoth. He's 6'1", 185. I guess that's not behemoth. But he's a physical defenseman. Doesn't really have a lot of offensive flair. So, you know, I keep in mind, folks listening to this for fantasy hockey purposes. I wrote this article for non-fantasy hockey purposes. Uh, If this were purely a fantasy ranking, he wouldn't make my list unless it was a categories league where I was counting hits and blocks. Um, Not to say that he's devoid of any any offensive abilities, but... um, you know, if he makes the team, it's it's not going to be to run the power play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I mean, Erho's a, a real good player um, when he was drafted. And there was a lot of, um, you know, it's when he 
first started playing in the NHL, it was unfortunate that he got his bell rung. And I, I honestly think that that was a, a, a downward spiral in his short career that he's still trying to climb out of. Um, the second year after his uh, head injury, we was playing in Providence. Um, you saw him do the right things. He was blocking shots. He was doing some really positive things, but he was also, I'm paraphrasing, uh, um, tedious about going into a corner or going into an area where he thought that he might get hurt again. It just seemed like he wasn't letting up, but almost like that he just didn't want to fully commit and more or less like stay alongside the net and so on and not go after the puck. Um, that's just my opinion, by the way. But um, uh, I still believe that he's a work in progress for this Boston Bruins organization and having him at eighth is not a bad spot for him. But the time's like basically running out on him. And he also could be another trade chip like um, like Sidnika. Um, so Vakanine, and this is his last year under an entry level contract as a 22 year old. So um, remains to be seen with him. I I I, li I like the player. I like the way he can move and so on. But it's it's his full commitment, in my opinion. That's really just not all there. You've hinted at trade bait players a couple times. Are are you trying to put together a trade package for Jack Eichel here? No, 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 no. That's, <laughs> uh, you, you're going to need a lot more than uh, than Jack Sadiqa and, and uh, Eurovac and Ayanen to get anything like that done. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think Eurovac and Ayanen is on the cusp of making the NHL. I think I'd be surprised if he played more games in the AHL than the NHL this season, but I could see him doing a little bit of both. Um, how do you feel about him being ranked eighth on this list? I like it. I mean, it's not it's not terrible. Um, but like you said, I mean, there's a, there's a definite possibility that he could um, beat out a, a player like Jakobs Borrell or Connor, Connor Clifton for that uh, rotationary defenseman that they carry a lot. Um, but, you know, it, it, let's see what happens in camp and how far he goes from there. But, uh, you know, he could be definitely could be involved in something uh, in the future if they're trying to address that to see. It's going to be a big year for him. I, I don't think he'll be on my list next year one way or the other. He'll either make the Bruins and be a full-time roster player, or he won't, and then he won't be relevant prospect anymore. I feel like it's kind of a put-up-or-shut-up kind of season for him. Right. All right. Uh, next guy on my list is... Um, hold on. I think I'm getting conflicting information here. I was going to say Brett Harrison, but I don't think it is. He he is a player. He is a player. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but he is not ninth on my list. My, <laughs> my bad. Um, more preparation required. I went number nine. I went behemoth Curtis Hall. Six go. foot four, 216 pounds. He had a whale of a season with Yale the year before last, where he had an offensive output where his goal totals went from five to 17. Um, looking to follow that up last year, Ivy League didn't play, so he turned pro. And um, I think he got an injury right out of the gate. Limited First game. Yeah, so he only ended up playing 13 games for Providence, and he never really never really got it going. Um, what, what's your predictions for Hall? No relation to Taylor Hall, Curtis Hall. Uh, what's your predictions for him this season in Providence? You think big things going to lead the team in scoring and hits and penalty minutes, or is he going to be like more of a bottom six kind of guy? 
I think he's going to be a bottom six kind of guy. And I have him in my projections on as a third line center, uh, centering uh, Cameron Hughes on the left and Alex Olivier Voyer on the right. So uh, I think that's a good spot for Curtis to, to really, you know, he really didn't get a, a full um, pro season in last year. And I think that with everything opening up fans in the stands, uh, American hockey league teams are now traveling again. You know, you're going to get some more team camaraderie, more regular life is going to happen. Hopefully let's, let's, let's hope for that. Mm. But uh, I think uh, um, with, with more of everything opening up and so on, I think you're going to see a better player and, and, and look, I'd look for him to be on the rise. Um, I actually have Oscar Steen as my um, second line center in my projections. If Hall absolutely crushes it, I could see Hall jumping Steen for that second line duties next to, um, uh, you know, centering left wing Jakob Lauko and potentially I, I have uh, uh, Fabian Lysel on the right. So we'll see what happens there. But I do like I do like Curtis Hall, um, uh, big, big center. He can throw his body around. He's 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 skilled. Um, he's got some really good uh, patience with the puck. And but it, there's, there's a lot more to go. It's, it's still a work in progress that you still love to see uh, happening at that level. Would he make your top 10? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He would definitely make my top 10. Cool. I would, I would actually, I mean, these rankings aren't terrible, Peter. They're not terrible, terrible, but once we get to 10 and, and past that, I might critique it a little bit with somebody that I have in mind, but I'll let you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I've got number. Let's go on to number ten then, so we can figure out who I missed. Uh, so I took a bit. I think I took a bit of a swing on Curtis Hall. I think I mean, this time next year he'll either be way up in the top five or not even in consideration, depending on how this season goes. If he plays in the bottom six, like you're thinking, and he scores like you know five goals and twenty points and has thirty penalty minutes and no real particular outstanding counting stats doesn't move his way up the depth chart on that roster um, and goes into his 22 year old season. Um, I'll be, uh, I'll be cooled off on my Curtis Hall fandom a little bit. Number 10, I'm going um, back to the blue line with Swedish defender, Victor Berglund, uh, a seventh round pick from 2017. Uh, I'm thinking maybe the Bruins got themselves a bit of a steal with this two way defender. Uh, and again, for fantasy purposes, he's always been more of a defensive defenseman has been the label on this guy. Um, you know, he's six foot 180, so he's not hulking defenseman, but he had a bit of an offensive outburst scoring 10 goals and 22 points in 52 games last season in, I think he played Al Svenken. Um, and that earned him a promotion to the SHL. Uh, and he just, kept on scoring there too, 21 points in 50 games. Um, and I'm with Luella. I think he had like kind of limited ice time too. So those are pretty impressive counting stats for uh, a 22 year old playing in the SHL. Um, you know, it's not a very prolific offensive league. Uh, so he's probably coming over to North America this year would be my expectation. Um, you can confirm or, or refute that. Uh, and then, you know, I think he'll, he'll get an opportunity to strut his stuff in Providence for you this year would be my expectation. Would Victor Berglund be in your top 10? And am I, uh, am I on, on point with my assessment here? No, you're absolutely on point. Um, this is a, a pick that uh, uh, PJ Axelson was adamant about the Bruins pick um, that late in the draft. 
Um, he's got he's he does have a an unbelievable shot when he's able to use it. He does have speed. He does have good versatility. Uh, he reads the ice very well, even though it's a biggest sheet over there and so on. He was slated to come over in his first entry-level year uh, last season, but obviously uh, Europeans didn't travel because of the pandemic. So he stayed over in Europe as much as you know many Europeans did over there. But um, I'm really looking forward to having him in Providence next season. And uh, to start him off, I would not, I would not be uh, angry with him on a third pairing next to big Nick Wolf, um, who is, uh, who's uh, just signed a, um, an extension with the uh, Boston Bruins. So um, I'm, I got big expectations for Berglund and he, he's a player that could be on the rise as well. Um, he's another one that you can uh, put in that category of a Tory crew type of player or potential of. So um yeah, I, I really like this kid, and I can't wait to see him over here on the uh, on the shorter sheet. All right. Well, that's my top 10. I had three honorable mentions as well that I kind of had in and out of my top 10 at different points in my research. You know, I moved them up, I moved them down. And, you know, when the musical chair song ended, these guys didn't have a chair. That's uh, Brett Harrison, 21 uh, draftee from the OHL. Didn't really play very much last year because the OHL didn't play. He's a big bodied center who, you know, makes his, makes his money in front of the, out of the team's net causing havoc, you know, getting garbage goals, Brady Lyle, a undrafted free agent coming out of the OHL with um, Owen sound. I think it was six foot three, 212. He had 14 points in 25 games with Providence in his rookie season last year. Last time I checked, that's very good. And then uh, Trevor Kuntar, he had a really good development camp with the Bruins by all accounts that I could find. Uh, he's looking for a big sophomore season at Boston College coming up. He plays a gritty offensive game uh, and he's going to have a motor that, you know, a little bit of Charlie Hustle to his game that I think fans and coaches will love. So that's my top 10 with three honorable mentions. You mentioned someone who I, I kind of neglected there, Oscar Steen. Um, okay, so it's time to pick apart my top 10. Be gentle, Mark. All right. All right, Peter. <laughs> So if, if I was to do this top 10 myself, I would reconstruct uh, five, six, and seven. And I would actually, and I hate doing this because I like Jack a lot, and I know you do too, and this is not why I'm doing it, but Jack Ashan would not be in my top 10. Uh, he would actually be replaced with uh, Brady Lyle. Brady's um, uh, very high on this team. They really like him. Uh, the way the scouts came out in his overage year and got him as a free agent and actually assigned as an AHL deal with Providence and then worked so hard last year that he earned his way to an entry-level deal. Um, so I, I, I have real high expectations for, for Lyle. And uh, I'm not saying he's going to crack the roster this year, but it possibly could be within a year or two uh, as a, um, a, you know, a third-pairing defenseman that could sneakily get right in there because that, they are very high on this kid. Right on, right on. Um, is that the only kind of change you'd have made there? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the one, two, three, four, and five. I mean, Beecher could have flipped around a little bit with Lalco and so on. But, um, yeah, Lyle in there, too. Vakanainen might be a little little higher than I would expect. I would actually put Vakanainen at 10 and put Bergling at 8. Curtis Hall still good there at nine. 
but no, it's, it's not a bad list. I mean, if it was only, there's only like one, one area that I could address and that would be uh, Lyle and off of the, uh, off of the honorable mentions and actually onto that list. And I think I gave you a little crap on Twitter about that too. And maybe, maybe <laughs> you, you and everybody else. That's what, that's what Twitter's there for, man. Uh, so I kept Oscar Steen off both my top 10 and my honorable mentions list. Uh, you mentioned him uh, just a minute ago. Uh, you think he's at least honorable mention worthy, if not top 10. Sure. I mean, Oscar's a really good kid. He's been really adjusting to the um, North American game the past two seasons in Providence, abbreviated or not. Um, I mean, his projection's definitely a a bottom six role, um, third, fourth liner, good penalty killer, um, and a good forechecker. I mean, just that speed. And his, let me tell you, if you ever see this guy in shorts, it's it's intimidating. I mean, he's like almost, (laughs) he's, he's a little taller than me, but he has stumps, stump for legs, man. They're huge. I mean, like if, yeah, exactly. You know, it's just, and he, but he's, he's, he a frames really well. He positions himself really well. And it just, I, I can't believe he gets that much speed and, and creates that much distance with those freaking legs. It's crazy. Let's circle back a little bit and, and kind of talk a little bit more about Brady Lyle. We both kind of just glossed over him a little bit. Um, in terms of fantasy, tell me about where you see his offensive upside in fantasy. Um, and would he be more of a more of a bangers cats league kind of guy? He's gonna get you some hits and some penalty minutes and some blocks or only, or you know, does he is he a big shooter? Do you think he's got power play opportunity in his future? I think honestly, Peter, I think he's gonna be a mixed bag player that you're gonna get whatever you can out of him if you give him the opportunities. You know, I mean, um, right now for a fantasy aspect, I would think that he'd be a bottom pairing defenseman, but also that, you know, he's not afraid to jump in when available. He reads the ice so well and he knows when to commit. And I love the way that him and Jack Ashan worked uh, a give and go. Um, it was really, it was really special to see that. It was like a set play and so on um, where, um, where Lyle would move it up. Because because Ashan was just so fast. I mean, he he's incredibly fast. And then uh, the forward would get it, and here comes big old Lyle just trucking right in there and just you know blasting away a shot or getting it through the defenseman in close uh, for a goal. It's just he, he's something special right there. And and I got kudos to the scouts on uh, you know getting him out of um, the OHL. Um, I can't remember what team it is. I think it was the was it the Battalion Sudbury, I think. Yeah, it could be something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I like the player. I, I really, I'm really excited to see him um, this, this year and another year of uh, professional hockey down in Providence. They don't have a lot of contract space coming up on the blue line. I'm just looking at cap friendly now. And, you know, you've got McAvoy and Zaboral as the only players with contracts expiring after this season. And you know that they're going to want to resign both of those guys. And then everyone else is signed at least through the following season with Brandon Carlo going on for the next, I don't know, hundred years or whatever they signed him to. <laughs> um, so, you know, you got Connor Clifton as an unrestricted free agent after two seasons. And then you still got another year at, you know, between three and 3.7 for Riley Forbert and Greslek. Um you know, so doesn't look like the Bruins are anticipating a lot of turnover barring trades or, or something to that effect. 
Yeah. I mean, Don Sweeney says it all the time. If you're uh, the better player, you're going to play. So, it, it, you know, it remains to be seen if he's going to live to those, um, those expectations. Um, but, you know, um, if there's an opportunity for him to get up there, I'd really love to see it. Even if it's just, a, you know, a small stretch of a cup of coffee, just to give him, you know, that taste and, and that feeling when you go down to Providence and you work that much harder, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right, Mark Allred from the Black and Gold Podcast. Tell me a little bit about your uh, Evil Bruins Empire Network that you've got going on there, man. You got writers, you got podcasts, you got a little bit of everything. You got like a whole network going on. Yeah, we do. Have, we got the blackandgoldhockey.com website. We have 28 writers, that, which are just unbelievable uh, colleagues. Um, and we're looking forward to the upcoming season. We have a podcast network on the website. I think we have 11 programs right now. And uh, we're looking for more. If you got, you know, if you know anybody that loves talking Boston Bruins, send them my way because we have room on the network. And uh, we just love talking hockey. We love reporting on hockey. We just, we're just hockey junkies. Yeah, yeah, I could tell you guys are passionate about it. I uh, I see your stuff coming through on the Twitter feed all the time, and uh, you know I try to share it as much as I can and and promote your guys' work because uh, I like what you're doing. You're doing good stuff, and that's why I invited you onto the show because you know you know what you're talking about. You watch the games, you yeah. know the players. All right, so let's put a bow on this. Boston Bruins prospects, the top 10 plus about three or four honorable mentions. They've got some good prospects, none that I would consider to be great unless Fabian Lysel decides to be David Pasternak and, and not Josh Hosang. Let's all hope for that. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mark Allred, really appreciate your time coming on the show. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. If you uh, enjoy the show, please feel free to give me a follow on uh, Twitter at DPR underscore show. Give the show a you know, five-star review, all that fun stuff. You can follow me on, on Twitter as well, at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. And uh, keep reading Dauber Prospects and uh, my NHL trade rumors and the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Thanks again, everyone. Keep your stick on the ice.